Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Hello, video viewers. Welcome to this new episode. This one is about reading and the power of reading aloud or reading out loud. And I think it can definitely help you with your English in various ways. Stick with me. There's a lot to discover here. So I found an article the other day on the BBC's website and I thought it was really interesting and definitely something I could turn into an episode of this podcast. I'm going to read the article to you in this episode. You can read it with me if you like. The link for the article is in the description of the episode or if you're watching the video version, you will actually see the text on the screen. So I'll help you understand it all. We'll consider the main points being made by the writer I'll give my thoughts on how all of this relates to learning English and I'll point out some bits of vocabulary for you to learn along the way. So, reading out loud, what does this mean? Well, normally when we read, you know what reading is, of course. <laughs> Why did I need to say that? Normally when we read, he says, reaching for a book. Normally when we read, we read silently in our heads, don't we? We're just like, hmm, <laughs> Don't even make a noise. We don't. We go. <laughs> we don't do that. We just read silently in our heads. What are you doing? You know, like what are you doing? Oh, I'm just uh, reading, obviously. So normally, when we read, we read silently. We read in our heads, right? But when we read out loud, this means that we actually say the words we're reading with our voice so that other people can hear you. For example, it was nearly nine o'clock when Sherlock Holmes returned from his excursion. He held in his hand a sheet of blue paper, scrawled over with notes and figures. For example, that would be reading out loud. That's where we actually say the words we are reading with our voice so that other people can hear you. That's what out loud means. So aloud and out loud are synonyms. For example, to read out loud, these are the things we say with out loud. We read out loud, we say something out loud, we think out loud and we laugh out loud as well. So to read out loud, for example, I had to read out loud in front of my class uh, during my French lesson and it was a bit embarrassing. Um, to say something out loud would be like, you know, don't say that out loud. It's supposed to be a secret. Shh, don't say it out loud. Uh, to think out loud, which is where our thoughts just come out of our mouths. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, sorry, never mind. I was just thinking out loud, really. And to laugh out loud, which is ha ha ha, when laughter actually comes out of your mouth. And that's what LOL means, lol. It actually means laughing out loud. Uh, although when people type lol, usually they are not laughing out loud, are they? Normally when people just like, you know, that was brilliant, lol. Normally they're not actually laughing out loud, they're just typing it. 
Anyway, so that's out loud. Now, the article, the title of the article I found is The Surprising Power of Reading Aloud. And I found it in the future section of the BBC's website. That's BBC Future, bbc.com slash future. BBC Future is a section of the BBC website where you can read some really interesting articles about lots of different subjects. The articles are written in an academic style. So we're looking at academic English here to an extent. But these articles are very readable and they are exactly the type of reading text that you might find in an IELTS reading test. You often find academic texts about scientific subjects or history or psychology in IELTS tests. So it would be really good practice for you to read articles like this on a regular basis, whether you are preparing for IELTS or you're just interested in developing your English generally. The articles on BBC Future are quite advanced. They are for native English speakers, but with a good dictionary and a bit of motivation, they could really help your English. So good things to read on a regular basis if you're interested in improving your English for IELTS or just improving your English generally. So I'm going to help you do that in this episode. I mean, help with your English with this particular article. I'll take you through it and I will explain things. So let's get started. Now, before we start reading, I've got two tasks for you and they're important. So the first task is to consider some questions. So here are some questions to get you thinking. I want you to consider these questions because this will get you in the right mental space to understand the article that we're going to read. It's important to do this because this is how you get your mind ready before you read. So consider these questions, which you're going to see and hear in a moment. If you like, you can pause this episode after I say these questions in order to actually answer them in your own head or out loud. Saying your answers out loud would be the best thing to do to practice your speaking and putting your thoughts into words. So if you can do that, do that right now with these questions. Actually give your answers out loud in words, English ones hopefully, um, okay, in response to these questions. So questions to consider. Question number one, when was the last time you read something in English? What was it and why did you read it? Question two, when you read in English or in your first language, do you usually read silently in your head or do you read out loud and why? I expect you read silently in your head, but why? That might be an obvious question, but I want you to answer it anyway. Number three, in what situations do people sometimes read out loud? Number four, do you think reading out loud is more or less common these days than it used to be? Do people read out loud more these days or did they do it more in the past and why could this be? Question five, can you remember a time when someone read something out loud to you? What was the situation and how did it make you feel? Question six, how about when you were a child? Can you remember any moments when someone read out loud to you? How do you feel about those memories? And question seven, what do you think is better for your English? Reading texts silently in your head, reading texts out loud, or listening to other people read out loud to you? And why? Okay, so if you like, you could pause the episode now and actually answer those questions out loud. Otherwise, let's carry on. 
So the second task is actually to read the text. So here's a reading task for you. Before I read this article to you, I want you to read it yourself twice, okay? The link is in the description. First, read the text silently. That's the first time, just read it silently in your head and then try reading it out loud, okay? Now, you don't have to read the whole thing if you don't want to. Maybe just do the first few paragraphs if you prefer, but try it, go on, try it. Read it silently first and then read it out loud. And when you read it out loud, try not to sound like a robot, okay? So you're not just sort of saying, uh, it has been a case of considerable interest, he remarked, returning to his natural manner. No, try not to sound like a robot. Put some life into the reading. So it has been a case of considerable interest, he remarked. You know, put some life into it. If slash when you read it out loud, also consider these questions, okay? So where are the pauses? Where should you pause when you read? Because obviously when you're reading or in fact, when you're speaking, there are always certain pauses in certain places. So when you do the, the reading of this text, I'd like you to think about that. Where are the pauses? Where should you pause when you read? Secondly, which words in each line should be stressed? Which are the stressed or emphasized words in each line? Thirdly, where does the voice go up? And where does the voice go down? And fourth, how would you read it out like a TV presenter or a university lecturer? So imagine you're reading this out for an audience. It might affect the way that you read it. So you can do that now. The link to the article is in the description. Okay, so read it first silently and then out loud like a presenter. I'll let you pause the episode right now and do that. And I'll continue speaking to you again in a moment. So this is where you pause to read the article. Meanwhile, there's someone walking around in the corridor outside my pod room, listening to Luke's English podcast, apparently. <laughs> it's always a slightly weird feeling when you realise that there's like neighbours who I don't know walking around outside and then maybe they're thinking, what's going on in there? What's he talking about in there? I don't know. Maybe they're just not interested at all. I don't know. Or maybe they even listen to this podcast and they like, wait a minute, is that Luke from Luke's English Podcast? Or they're thinking, someone's listening to Luke's English Podcast on a big speaker in that room. What's going on? It's like, no, no, it's the real, it's actually the real Luke doing the real podcast. Anyway, right. So I've let you pause and read the article. You've done that now. You've paused and you've read the article. Welcome back. I know some of you didn't pause the episode and read the text, which is totally fine. That's okay. But some of you did, right? Nice one. If you did, I wonder how it was for you. Was it difficult or not? Was it difficult to read the text? It's a different experience, isn't it? Reading out loud. It has its own challenges. You've got unknown vocabulary, difficult pronunciation, understanding the overall flow and structure of the text. But it could be very good. It could be very, very useful, an extremely good exercise. Now, let me read the article to you. You could read it with me too, or just listen. It's up to you. I've broken the text into sections. So I'll read a section of the article, then I'll paraphrase what I read, add my comments and explain some words, and then we'll move on to the next section. Okay, that's the way it's going to work. Wherever there's a break in the text, 
and this is for the video viewers, but also I'll let you, I guess I'll let you download the PDF of the text I'm reading from as well if you want to. You can do that from my website. Uh, you'll see whenever there's a, a break in the text like this, like a red dotted line, it's the end of a section. And there are 10 sections. When that happens, I'll stop and explain things and then we'll move on to the next section. So you'll also see some words highlighted in bold. These are words that you might not know. So I will explain these words as we go. So the words in bold are the things I'm going to explain. You could try reading aloud with me to work on your pronunciation if you like as well. So let's begin the article. BBC Future Neuroscience. So this is in the neuroscience section of BBC Future. It's a, it's a neuroscience themed uh, article. Neuroscience meaning the science of understanding uh, the, uh, the nervous system, the brain and the central nervous system, right? Um, so the title, why you should read this out loud by Sophie uh, Haddock. That's how her name is pronounced. Sophie Haddock wrote this published 18th of September 2020. So writing credit goes to Sophie Haddock, who actually originally wrote this. Most adults retreat into a personal, quiet world inside their heads when they are reading. But we may be missing out on some vital benefits when we do this. So here we go. For much of history, reading was a fairly noisy activity. On clay tablets written in ancient Iraq and Syria some 4,000 years ago, the commonly used words for to read literally meant to cry out or to listen. I am sending a very urgent message, says one letter from this period. Listen to this tablet. If it is appropriate, have the king listen to it. Only occasionally a different technique was mentioned, to see a tablet, to read it silently. Today, silent reading is the norm. The majority of us bottle the words in our heads as if sitting in the hushed confines of a library. Reading out loud is largely reserved for bedtime stories and performances. But a growing body of research suggests that we may be missing out by reading only with the voices inside our minds. The ancient art of reading aloud has a number of benefits for adults from helping improve our memories and understand complex texts to strengthening emotional bonds between people. And far from being a rare or bygone activity, it is still surprisingly common in modern life. Many of us intuitively use it as a convenient tool for making sense of the written word and are just not aware of it. Okay, so that's the first section. Let me kind of go back through that. So for much of history, reading was a fairly noisy activity. So this basically is referring to the fact that these days we usually read silently, but in the old days or in the past, um, reading out loud was much more common. And in fact, reading out loud was the norm. It was the thing that was normally done. Um, so on clay tablets written in ancient Iraq and Syria some 4,000 years ago, the commonly used words for to read literally meant to cry out or to listen. So we go back 4,000 years ago, which is rather a long time. This is to the, you know, the, the, the period of the Sumerian civilization in Mesopotamia, very early, early civilization 
some of the earliest sort of records we've got of things like uh, human civilization from that period. And maybe one of the first civilizations to, 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 to read and write, as far as we know. So it's a very early record. In those days, they actually referred to the, the words used for read in their language meant to cry out or to listen. You see, literally. So they're using the words like cry out, meaning make a noise with your mouth, or to listen meaning to read. For example, um, one letter from this period says this, listen to this tablet. By the way, a tablet or a clay tablet is a piece of, a sort of like a piece of stone where, uh, which, is, which has been written on. So before the days of paper and pens and stuff, uh, things messages were written in clay tablets. Clay would have been soft when it was wet and you would be able to scratch... Um, like writing in it and then the the clay would set it would go hard and then um people could it would be written then sort of permanently for other people to writ to to uh read tablets i mean these days we call ipads and things like that those are tablets but in the the old days tablets were made of clay or stone so um a letter from this period listen to this tablet if it's appropriate have the king listen to it so that would have meant that uh, have someone read it out so you could listen to it being read out. So it didn't say read this tablet, it said listen to this tablet. That's interesting. Uh, only occasionally a different technique was a, t a different technique was mentioned to see a tablet. So when um, they said see this tablet, they meant to actually read it silently. Uh, so today silent reading is the norm. It's the normal thing that normally happens. The majority of us bottle the words in our heads. That means that we, if you bottle something, you means you keep it in a bottle. But in this case, we're talking, this is an expression that means keeping something inside with a top on. In that case, it's, we bottle the words in our heads. So the words don't come out. We just keep them in our heads and read silently as if we are sitting in the hushed confines of a library. Confines meaning sort of, uh, a place protected from the rest of the world, uh, confined with, you know, an indoor place. Hushed meaning shh. Hush means be quiet. So hushed confines means inside a quiet indoor space of a library. Reading out loud is largely reserved for bedtime stories and performances. These days, when people read out loud, it's normally when you read out loud to your children at bedtime. You take a children's book and you read it out loud to them, or maybe performances like poetry readings and things like that, or maybe an author who is doing a presentation of his new book and he reads some passages out to an audience. Okay, and then it says, but a growing body of research, a body of research, meaning um, a large number of research articles or publications or studies all together is called a body, a a growing body of research suggests that we may be missing out, meaning missing something and losing something, not having access to something, which is kind of uh, a pity. So we might be missing out um, by reading silently, that maybe we are losing something and not getting access to some benefits by doing this. The ancient art of reading aloud has a number of benefits for adults, 
from helping improve our memories and understand complex texts to strengthening, meaning making stronger. So strength is the adjective. St sorry, strength is the noun. Strength, uh, strong is the adjective. And to make something strong is to strengthen. That's the verb. So strengthening emotional bonds between people is one of the important things about reading aloud. It can actually build relationships. Think about those moments when someone reads aloud to you. It does make you feel good. And also when people are read aloud to together, it can actually strengthen social relationships. And it's far from being a bygone activity. Bygone means something that people don't do anymore. It's gone. It's past. It's just confined to history. So reading out loud is not a bygone activity, not something that is confined to the past. Um, it's still surprisingly modern. And the article says that many of us intuitively use reading out loud without really realising so we all know the benefits of reading out loud because when you think about it, we do that, don't we? If we're reading a difficult text or if we're reading some instructions, if you're cooking and you're reading the recipe, often we will say the lines of the recipe out loud. For example, take 200 grams of flour and 300 grams of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. Break four eggs, 300 grams. Of three, we do say things out loud to somehow... Um, make sense of what we're reading, to bring it to life, to make it more memorable and more understandable. Um, and we do this intuitively. We do it without thinking. Okay. All right. So let's, let's carry on and let's look at some of the research and some more details. Okay, everybody, are you all right? You're still with me? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Let's move on to the second part. So Colin McLeod, a psychologist at the University of Waterloo in Canada, has extensively researched the impact of reading aloud on memory. He and his collaborators have shown that people consistently remember words and texts better if they read them aloud than if they read them silently. This memory-boosting effect of reading aloud is particularly strong in children, but it works for older people too. It's beneficial throughout the age range, he says. McLeod has named this phenomenon the production effect. It means that producing written words... That's to say, reading them out loud improves our memory of them. Okay, so that's the end of section two. That's fairly clear, I would say, that we have um, Colin McLeod, who is a psychologist in Canada. He's been researching the impact of reading aloud on memory. And they've shown or noticed that people basically remember words better if they read them aloud. Okay. People remember things better, remember words and texts better if they read them aloud. So reading aloud is memory boosting. It has a memory boosting effect. It's particularly strong in children, but it's also true for older people. It's beneficial throughout the age range, all the way through the age range. Age range meaning uh, from young to old, all the way from young through sort of uh, from um, infancy, through the teenage years, through the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, through middle age and into old age. So throughout the age range. And 
McLeod calls this the production effect because producing words that you read, meaning saying them out loud, this improves our memory of them. Why do you think that could be? Why is it that when we read something out loud, when we produce the word, we're more likely to remember it? Why could that be? I'll let you think about that. Maybe we're going to get the answer now. So let's move on to the third section out of 10. So the production effect has been replicated in numerous studies spanning more than a decade. In one study in Australia, a group of seven to 10 year olds were presented with a list of words and asked to read some silently and others aloud. Afterwards, they correctly recognized 87% of the words they'd read aloud, but only 70% of the silent ones. In another study, Adults aged 67 to 88 were given the same task, reading words either silently or aloud, before then writing down all those they could remember. They were able to recall 27% of the words they'd read aloud, but only 10% of those they'd read silently. When asked which ones they recognised, they, they were able to correctly identify 80% of the words they'd read aloud, but only 60% of the silent ones. McLeod and his team have found the effect can last up to a week after the reading task. Okay, so it didn't actually tell us why uh, we remember words better when we read them aloud. It just sort of backed up the previous section with more evidence. In fact, it said the production effect has been replicated, mean, meaning uh, repeated again and again and again, sort of copied or... Uh, repeated again and again in numerous studies spanning more than a decade. If something spans a decade, it means it goes across a decade. So, for example, um, another word for for your for a span, S P A N, is the distance between your little finger and your thumb when your when your hand is stretched out as wide as it can go. That is your span. And if you're a piano player, that's quite important. You need quite a wide span to be able to play. Uh, you know, as many notes as possible. So that's your hand spanning across the keyboard of a piano. But also, um, in, in this case, the, product, the uh, psychological studies have spanned more than a decade, meaning that they've taken place over uh, time more than a decade. Maybe they mean they've been going for like the, the, um, the studies took place over like a 12-year period or something. Uh, there was one in Australia where some children, basically the two studies are named here, one with children, one with old people, elderly people, older people, if you want to be a bit more polite. Um, and they basically showed the same results, that when um, the people read the words out loud, they remembered them better. Okay, uh, recall. They were able to, to, to recall, that's the verb, recall, the noun is recall. Uh, they were able to recall or remember and say again um, more words when they'd read them out loud. Okay, so the production effect has been backed up by other studies. Let's move on to the next section, which I guess is section four. So even just silently mouthing the words makes them more memorable, though to a lesser extent. 
Researchers at Ariel University in the occupied West Bank discovered that the memory-enhancing effect also works if the readers have speech difficulties and cannot fully articulate the words they read aloud. Or read aloud. Is read aloud. Uh, read being the present form and read being the past form, but it's, it's read, isn't it, here? Um, because it's they cannot fully articulate the words they read aloud. Otherwise it would be they couldn't articulate the words they read aloud. Okay, so it's present. Uh, Let's continue. McLeod says, One reason why people remember the spoken words is that they stand out. They're distinctive because they were done aloud and this gives you an additional basis for memory. We are generally better at recalling distinct, unusual events and also events that require active involvement. For instance, generating a word in response to a question makes it more memorable, a phenomenon known as the generation effect. Similarly, if someone prompts you with the clue, a tiny infant sleeps in a cradle, begins with a B, and you answer baby, you're going to remember it better than if you simply read it, McLeod says. Okay, all right, let's back up. Let's just explain that a bit more. So we're talking about the production effect, that saying words out loud helps you remember them better. We're not entirely sure why yet, but this section does explain it a bit. So even just silently mouthing the words makes them more memorable, though to a lesser extent. So mouthing a word means essentially moving your mouth as if you're saying the word, but you're not actually saying the word. A bit like when you are trying to say something to someone without making a noise. Now, I'm not talking about whispering, because this is whispering, isn't it? This is whispering. So I don't mean whispering. Mouthing is when you... That's when you're actually sort of moving your mouth, but you're not actually saying the words. For example, if I just say, even just silently mouthing the words, if I do that and I just mouth the words. It's like this. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you didn't hear anything then because I was only moving my mouth. I was just mouthing the words. I wasn't actually saying them. So apparently, even just mouthing the words makes them more memorable, although to a lesser extent. So they they are... The production effect is less powerful when you just mouth them. Apparently, you remember them better if you actually do say them and don't just mouth them, but actually say the words. Um, I could talk about learning English at this point because, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons I'm reading this to you because I think there are some really interesting things to take away from this in terms of learning a language. So obviously there, there are two, I think there are two conclusions. Maybe it's the same conclusion, really. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? This just shows that uh, read out loud, read things out loud. It's Apparently it makes a difference to your ability to remember those words. English has got a very uh, broad range of vocabulary. There's a lot of words that you have to remember. So reading can be a good way to do that. We all know this, don't we? We all know that reading on a regular basis is important, that you should always have a book on the go. Hopefully one that's appropriate for your level. Um, 
I've done episodes about reading before. You can search the episode archive on my website for the word reading and you'll find some, some advice there. So reading is good, but don't just read in your head. You should also try to read out loud. And one of the reasons that that's a good idea is because of the production effect, that producing the words as you read them helps you to remember them. Okay. Now, if you are in a public place, if you're on a bus, or even if you're just in a, I don't know, you're just at home and you don't want to disturb the people around you, or you're in your office, or you're flying on a plane and stuff, and you can't read out loud, then you could still mouth the words. And this still makes uh, a difference. So if I'm reading, for example, from this Sherlock Holmes book, which I've got in my hands, and the first sentence is this. I had called upon my friend Sherlock Holmes on the second morning after Christmas with the intention of wishing him the compliments of the season. So if I'm reading this book, if I'm on my own, I can read it out loud like I just did. If I'm, if there are other people around, like, for example, my neighbours who are walking around the corridor outside my door here and I don't want them to hear me or I don't want to disturb them, I can just do this. Now, again, listeners, you couldn't see my mouth moving, but it was. I was mouthing the words. Alternatively, when you are actively trying to remember words, if you've got a word list, which many people do, and you, you should do, really, you should be recording vocab in a list in some way, um, I would recommend against just writing in a, sing a single English word and then a translation in your language. Try not to do that. Instead, have an English word and some notes in English, maybe some examples of the word being used, maybe some collocations. Which other words does it often go with? Maybe, you know, examples um, and little notes about pronunciation, like where's the stress in the word and stuff like that. Maybe a sentence that contains the word as well. So then when you're trying to remember those words, you can practice by reading those examples out loud. Read your notes out loud, or at least mouth the notes. Mouth those example sentences. That will make a difference. Why? Well, um, in, the, in that section, well, okay, first of all, it mentions research done at Ariel University in the Occupied West Bank. They said that the 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 production effect works, so saying words out loud, that works even for people with speech difficulties. That means people who can't speak very well. Attempting to say the words, just making your mouth move also works. So there's something going on in your brain where um, when your brain is, is, is attempting to uh, create an event, when it's trying to produce a sound, that effort seems to be part of what helps you remember the word. And as it says in the paragraph here, McLeod, the researcher, says that one reason why people remember the spoken words is that they stand out. They're distinctive because they were done aloud. And this gives you an additional basis for memory. And we are generally better at recalling distinct unusual events and also events that require active involvement. So how do our memories work? Well, we tend to remember things which are distinctive, which are different, okay? Just things that stand out. So if something stands out, it means it, 
if you've got a line of people, there's 10 people standing in a line and one person stands forward, that person stands out, right? They are more noticeable, okay? So that's what stand out means, to be more noticeable, to be distinctive. And in the case of uh, our memories, apparently our memories like things that stand out, that stand out, that are distinctive and different. So you would probably remember that one person who is standing forwards, or maybe if everyone's there wearing the same colour clothes and one person is wearing different colour clothes in a different style, they would stand out, they'd be more memorable. I mean, it seems like common sense when you think about it. But when we apply this to, um, to learning English, then you've got to make the words that you're trying to remember stand out in some way and reading them out loud can help you do that because... Um, because it becomes, uh, saying a word makes it an event. It makes it a, dis a distinctive event. And this apparently helps your memory. Um, okay. So also we, we remember events that require active involvement. Involvement is when you are part of something. If you are involved in doing something, it means you're part of that thing. So, for example, if there's a, I don't know, some people are doing something and you get involved, it means you become part of whatever it is they're doing. Uh, okay, so if, I don't know, what are they doing? Some people are playing a game of cards and you join and you play the game of cards too, then you are involved in the game. That's what the word involve or involved means. Active involvement. I mean, you know, going using the metaphor of the card game, if you want to learn the rules of a card game, then, uh, you know, a good way of doing it would be to actually just play the game, right? Just try and play the game. If you're actively involved in it, you're, you're going to pick up the rules really quickly. Another way of doing it is to watch. I mean, that's a form of involvement, to watch and follow what's going on. You're going to pick up the rules fairly quickly then too. But you're going to pick them up and remember them much more quickly if you are actually involved in doing it. Um, which again, you know, makes me think of learning a language and the importance of just attempting to use it. Often we will learn a uh, language and it'll stick with us and we'll be fully involved and our memories will be fully engaged when we are actually involved in attempting to use the language. But we could take passive uh, receptive activities like reading and make them more active uh, requiring more involvement, making them more distinct and unusual by making by adding some active element. In this case, when we're just reading, trying to read out loud, or at least make the shape of the words with our mouths. Okay. Now, the this section of the article goes on to talk about how not it's not just the production effect. There's another thing called uh, what is it? The generation effect which is another import, important factor in helping our memories. Um, generating a word in response to a question makes it more memorable. So if someone prompts you with a clue and you respond with the word in question, then you're more likely to remember it, which is very... Um, reassuring for me as a teacher because one of the things I've always done in my lessons is when doing language reviews vocab reviews it's not just me like this is a really normal thing for English teachers to do like a really standard activity for English teachers to do is to do little you know vocab review games 
where you, you've got your target vocabulary, the vocab we're trying to learn and that we've worked on in some regard, and then just simple activities where we play a game, where we define the word or explain the word and someone has to remember what the word was and maybe put it in a sentence. There's a few different ways you can play that game. If the word is, I don't know, if I just take a random word from this Sherlock Holmes book, um, mm, ref refuse, because it says this, um, one can't refuse a lady. And such a very positive one too. Uh, okay, so to refuse, meaning to say no, if refuse is the word we're looking for, then in the game we'd say, okay, this is a verb and it means to to say no, and it's a bit formal. And you'd say, uh, deny, no, uh, refuse, that's the one. Okay, begins with an R. Luke found it in a Sherlock Holmes book. Refuse, exactly. Little games like that, which you can play with yourself as well, because when you're writing your words down in your notepad, you put them in example sentences. You can take those example sentences later and make little quizzes for yourself where you write the example sentences, but you miss out the key words that you're trying to remember. And then the next day, you go back to those lists and you try to put the, word, the missing words back in. And essentially, you are giving yourself clues. You're prompting yourself with clues and uh, encouraging yourself to remember. And that helps things stick too. It's exactly what I do in my premium episodes. Every time, there's always a memory test where I try and prompt you with little clues to uh, recall, help you recall words. And that act of doing that helps you remember them better. And in all my premium episodes, there are always pronunciation drills where I actually get you to say all the words that we're learning out loud in the form of sentences. And again, this is all part of the process as well. So interesting stuff. It's good to know that the sort of neuroscience backs all these things up, that as English teachers, that we've been doing these activities for all these years, and it's all backed up by neuroscience, which is quite nice to know. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Let's move on to the next section. Another way of making words stick, another way of remembering words, making them stick in your memory, is to enact them. For instance, by bouncing a ball or imagining bouncing a ball while saying bounce a ball. This is called the enactment effect. 
Both of these effects are closely related to the production effect. They allow our memory to associate the word with a distinct event and thereby make it easier to retrieve later. So another way of making words stick is to enact them, acting them out, acting out words helps. So if you're, and the example given is bounce a ball, not that you need to remember that because you probably know that word already, but it's just an example. If you're trying to remember bounce a ball, you actually say bounce a ball and with your hand you pretend you are bouncing a ball. And creating this um, action helps you remember as well. And this is the enactment effect, acting out the word that you're saying. So there's the the generation effect, which is where you generate a word in response to a prompt. There's the enactment effect, which is where you act out the word uh, while you're doing it. So if the word is refuse and you put your hand up and you say, no, sir, now that's a refuse, that extra element of using your hand or including a body movement in it as well also helps and these things are connected to the production effect because they allow our memory to associate the word to a distinct event, a specific moment, a specific thing, a recognisable event. And that allows our memory to retrieve it later. So all these things have got to be distinctive and um, um, specific uh moments that are different to the ordinary baseline sort of normality of, of of what's going on in your brain. So if your brain is normally just, you know, bubbling along, just normal level of activity, but then distinct things that include uh, a variety of different distinctive sort of moments all happening at the same time are more likely to result in the word being remembered. Okay, they allow our memory to associate the word with a distinct event and thereby, meaning through that or by that uh, process, make it easier to retrieve, meaning get back or remember. Re retrieve, remember, recall, similar words. So let's move on to the sixth, sixth section. Okay, so the production effect that is um, when we say a word out loud, it helps us to remember it. The production effect is strongest if we read aloud ourselves. But listening to someone else read can benefit memory in other ways. In a study led by researchers at the University of Perugia in Italy, students read extracts from novels to a group of elderly people with dementia over a total of 60 sessions. The listeners performed better in memory tests after the sessions than before, possibly because the stories made them draw on their own memories and imagination and helped them sort past experiences into sequences. It seems that actively listening to a story leads to more intense and deeper information processing, the researchers concluded. Reading aloud can also make certain memory problems more obvious and could be helpful in detecting such issues early on. In one study, people with early Alzheimer's disease were found to be more likely than others to make certain errors when reading aloud. Okay, 
So what does this, what's all this about then? So the first part, the production effect is strongest if we read aloud ourselves, but listening to someone else read can benefit memory in other ways. So the point is that reading aloud ourselves is the best way, but also reading someone else read aloud to you apparently is also good and, all, and it creates other interesting effects. It's maybe not quite as powerful as reading out loud yourself, but listening to other people read out loud to you also activates or stimulates our brains in interesting ways. And this is revealed by certain studies. For example, the one by the University of Perugia. Uh, students read novels, they read extracts from novels to a group of elderly people with dementia. Dementia is a sort of degenerative brain disease. Dementia is a, 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 a word that includes many different types of, I guess, brain disease in which uh, I suppose the brain, um, what, happens to the, what happens to the brain in dementia? What is it? What is, okay, dementia is not a specific disease. It's just a general term for the impaired ability to remember, think or make decisions that interferes with doing everyday activities. Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. So basically, dementia includes many types of brain disease. It's an umbrella term that includes loss of memory, impaired thinking and uh, inability to, to, to do certain things. And it includes things like Alzheimer's uh, and a number of other conditions. Okay, right. So um, it's you know it's unfortunately it's a common problem as you get older. Um, okay, so a group of students read novels to a group of elderly people with dementia over a total of sixty sessions, and the older people, the elderly people who listened to the stories, they performed better in memory tests after the sessions than before. Why? Well, maybe because the stories made them draw upon their own memories and imagination, meaning go back to their memories and imagination and pull ideas and pull memories from it. Okay, so it made them access different parts of their memory and different parts of their mind, right? And it helped them to sort of uh, put their past experience experiences into sequences to organize their past experiences and that it seems that actively listening to a story leads to more intense and deeper information processing so listening to a story causes your brain to process things more deeply okay um which is interesting i don't know specifically what the conclusions are there but it's just interesting that listening to someone read to you is it really stimulates your brain, let's say. And um, the that section of the article goes on to say that uh, reading aloud, like when the subject has to read aloud from a text, this can also reveal um, different types of dementia. People with early Alzheimer's disease were found to be more likely than others to make certain errors when reading aloud. I mean, um, I would speculate and say that reading aloud is probably good for your brain. I'm just speculating about that because I don't know. But it seems that it works part of the brain that probably needs to be regularly stimulated. So reading out loud is not just good for your English, apparently. It's also just good for you, generally. 
So let's move on to section seven. There's some evidence that many of us are intuitively aware of the benefits of reading aloud and use the technique more than we might realise. So this, this section here is going to talk about how we actually read out loud all the time um, and we perhaps don't even realise we're doing it. So we're all aware of the value of reading out loud and we actually use it as a method for various things in our lives a lot. So that's what this is about, this bit. There's some evidence that many of us are intuitively aware of the benefits of reading aloud and use the technique more than we might realise. Sam Duncan, an adult literacy researcher at University College London, conducted a two-year study of more than 500 people all over Britain during 2017 to 2019 to find out if, when and how they read aloud. Often her participants would start out by saying they didn't read aloud, but then realised that actually they did. Adult reading aloud is widespread, she says. It's not something we only do with children or something that only happened in the past. Some said they read out funny emails or messages to entertain others. Others read aloud prayers and blessings for spiritual reasons. Writers and translators uh, read or read. The, 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 there's a tricky thing with the verb read because it's read, 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 of course, but the spelling is the same, which is a confusing thing about the English language. Why is that? Why is that? That the spelling is the same for the past participle as it is for the present form of the verb, but the pronunciation is different. Uh, so I, I, I am actually, I admit I'm being slightly confused. Should I be saying read or read? I think it's, it's read because um, it, this was a specific study. So these are the results of a specific study done in the past. Okay, some said they read out funny emails or messages to entertain others. Others read aloud prayers and blessings for spiritual reasons. Writers and translators read drafts to themselves to hear the rhythm and flow. People also read aloud to make sense of recipes, contracts and densely written texts. Some find it helps them unpack complicated, difficult texts, whether it's legal, academic or IKEA-style instructions, Duncan says. Maybe it's about slowing down, saying it and hearing it. OK, so we are intuitively aware of the benefits. We're just sort of, we just feel the, uh, the, the benefits. We know the, the benefits without really having to think about it. For example, the study done at UCL, University College London. Um, yeah, people actually realised that they did read out aloud quite a lot. An adult reading aloud is widespread, meaning very common. People are doing it everywhere all the time. That's widespread, very common. Um, not just something we do with children or just something that happened in the past. It's something that we do commonly regularly. Some said they read out funny emails or messages to entertain others. Others uh, read or read aloud prayers and blessings for spiritual reasons. Very common as well. Writers and translators read or read. Which one is it? Make a decision. Read. Okay. No, no, let's say read because this is something that people still do. <laughs> Writers and translators read drafts to themselves to hear the rhythm and flow. Now, that's true for me when I'm writing 
stuff for my podcast, I will always read it out loud, obviously because I'm going to record it, but still reading out loud allows me to, re reading out loud what I've written allows me to make sure that there's the correct flow to the text. Um, people also read aloud to make sense of recipes, contracts and densely written texts, which is true when I do have to read complicated English, like if I'm doing legal English stuff, or if I'm, as a teacher, when I give my students a reading task, and they're all there, we're doing like Cambridge exam preparation, and they're reading through a text quickly, I will quickly read it out kind of out loud under my breath, or if I'm in the teacher's room preparing and doing the reading task myself first before I give it to my students, I will sometimes mutter the text. I'll actually kind of read it out loud because it does help me make sense of what I'm reading. Maybe you do that too. Have you ever done that? You're reading a complex thing and you just have to kind of stop and read it out loud. Sometimes if I'm reading a book, if it's Sherlock Holmes, which can be complicated, I'm like, I'll be reading and I'll think, wait a minute, I don't know what's going on. As I dressed, I glanced at my watch. It was no wonder that no one was stirring. It was 25 minutes past four. I'd hardly finished when Holmes returned with the news that the boy was putting in the horse. Ah... Sometimes reading it out loud allows you to understand it. Some find it helps them unpack complicated, difficult texts. Unpack, just like the way you unpack a suitcase. You pack a suitcase with all the clothes and close it, zip it closed. And there it is, all compressed inside the suitcase. And then you have to unpack the suitcase, take all the clothes out and lay them out on the bed. Similarly, if you've got complicated text, like a paragraph of legal text, you might need to unpack that and understand what it is and reading it out loud can help you do that. Maybe it's about slowing down, saying it and hearing it. Okay, moving on to section eight. For many respondents, reading aloud brought joy, comfort and a sense of belonging. Some read to friends who were sick or dying as a way of escaping together somewhere. Duncan says, one woman recalled her mother reading poems to her and talking to her in Welsh. After her mother died, the woman began reading Welsh poetry aloud to recreate those shared moments. A Tamil speaker living in London said he read Christian texts in Tamil to his wife. On Shetland, a poet read aloud poetry in the local dialect to herself and others. There were participants who talked about how when someone is reading aloud to you, you feel a bit like you're given a gift of their time, of their attention, of their voice, Duncan recalls. We see this in the reading to children, that sense of closeness and bonding. But I don't think we talk about it as much with adults. So this section is basically all about how reading aloud is a social activity. It brings a sense of joy and comfort and a sense of belonging. Belonging meaning feeling like you belong to a group or feeling like you belong to, yeah, a social group. And there are various examples. Um, reading, uh, uh, um, someone reading to, people reading to friends who are sick to give them a, 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 a place to escape to. Um, comforting. Uh, one woman recalled her mother reading poems to her in Welsh. 
And then after her mother died, the woman read Welsh poetry to kind of remember her mother and other examples. Okay. So essentially, uh, reading aloud uh, can also be a social uh, bonding exercise and a, a, a comforting thing. Um, a sense of closeness, a sense of being close. Section nine out of 10. This is the penultimate section. If reading aloud delivers such benefits, why did humans ever switch to silent reading? What do you think, listeners, viewers? Why did humans switch to silent reading? What do you think? What could be the reason or reasons? Let's, let's keep reading and see. If reading aloud delivers such benefits, why did humans ever switch to silent reading? One clue may lie in those clay tablets from the ancient Near East, written by professional scribes in a script called cuneiform. Over time, the scribes developed an ever faster and more efficient way of writing this script. Such fast scribbling has a crucial advantage, according to Karen Lee Overman, a cognitive archaeologist at the University of Bergen, Norway, who studies how writing affected human brains and behaviour in the past. It keeps up with the speed of thought much better, she says. Reading aloud, on the other hand, is relatively slow due to the extra step of producing a sound. The ability to read silently while confined to highly proficient scribes would have had distinct advantages, especially speed, says Overman. Reading aloud is a behaviour that would slow down your ability to read quickly. So the question was, why do we not read aloud as much as we used to be? Why is silent reading the norm? Well, apparently, if we look into the past, huh, I guess what this is basically saying is that reading quietly is more convenient and faster right and also it seems to suggest that in the past the only people who could read were very illiterate very, very literate very specialized people called scribes a scribe is a word for a person who could write that's their that was their job was to write these days of course literacy is so high because we've sort of sorted it out you know we've 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 democratized education and so everyone learns to read and so reading has become a you know it's, it's become democratized so everyone can do it it's not just the preserve of very specialized people in society who have that job but everyone can do it i would also add and i would speculate that other reasons why silent reading are the norm include the fact that with modern sort of industrial um, mass production it's possible for everyone to have books. In the old days, not everyone would have had access to reading materials, especially in the days when material, the reading materials were clay tablets, which would have been difficult to transport, very rare, and only given to people who could actually read. And then those people who could read would read them out to everyone else and everyone else would just be listening mainly. These days we've got printing presses, we've got ways of uh, mass producing books and so you know basically everyone gets books and everyone is, is literate so now reading is a private thing and it's quicker, it's faster, it's more convenient and it fits in with the 
pace of life of the modern world uh, more effectively. Uh, so there you go. I guess that's what that's about. Um, so moving on to the final section. In his book on ancient literacy, reading and writing in Babylon, the French Assyriologist Dominique Charpin quotes a letter by a scribe called Hulalem that hints at silent reading in a hurry. Apparently, Hulalem, uh, I think I'm saying that correctly. Apparently, Hulalem switched between seeing, meaning silent reading, and saying or listening, that's loud reading, depending on the situation. In his letter, he writes that he cracked open a clay envelope. So Mesopotamian tablets came encased inside a thin casing of clay to prevent prying eyes from reading them thinking it contained a tablet for the king. So in those days, uh, these clay tablets were, in, were encased inside a sort of a clay envelope. So here, this Hulalem remembers cracking open a clay envelope. I saw that it was written to someone else and therefore did not have the king listen to it, writes Hulalem. So perhaps the ancient scribes, just like us today, enjoyed having two reading modes at their disposal. One fast, convenient, silent and personal, the other slower, noisier and at times more memorable. In a time when our interactions with others and the barrage of information we take in are all too transient, perhaps it is worth making a bit more time for reading out loud. Perhaps you even gave it a try with this article and enjoyed hearing it in your own voice. Okay, so the point about this Hulalam story is that this uh, account of what Hulalam opened up a, uh, a clay tablet and quickly read it and realised that it, it, was, um, it was not for the king's attention, just revealed that there were two methods of reading and we see the role of the two. So reading out loud maybe is more memorable and um, less less transient, meaning the things that we get from um, reading out loud are more permanent. Reading quietly and privately is quicker. Uh, it's more um, confidential, meaning kind of secret. So it's more discreet uh, and it's... Um, less noisy so it's yes yeah, quicker and more discreet and more convenient but maybe less memorable whereas speaking out loud reading out loud is uh, it takes more time um, it's less discreet but it's uh, more permanent and we are likely to remember it more and um, it's worth you know bearing this in mind uh, when we are at these days exposed to a barrage of information like lots of information all coming at us at the same time and the messages we, we take in, the messages we absorb, are often too transient. We don't really hold on to the meaning of those things. It might be a good idea to do more reading out loud. And maybe you did it with this article. So that's the end of the article there. Let me give my conclusion. Just before I do that, well, my thoughts right now as I'm saying this, What's going on in my head? What's going on in your, in your head? Are you still alive? You're still with me, listeners. Have you found this interesting? What are the things that we could take away from this? Has this made you think about your learning of English and your habits at all? 
let's go through my conclusion. Okay, so as a language practice exercise, try reading texts out loud. You don't have to do it all the time, but simply trying to read a text out loud as if you're reading it to some people can be a good exercise. Research suggests that it could help you remember words more effectively. The production effect means producing words, saying them out loud, makes a difference to your ability to remember them later. Even just mouthing words when you read them helps, to, helps them to go into your brain. So read aloud and mouth words when you read them. Also, being prompted with a clue helps you remember words. This is called the generation effect. This encourages me a lot because it confirms things I have been doing as a teacher, including in LEP Premium episodes when I use little prompts to help you recall words. For you, you could always create your own clues to help you remember words or phrases or play word games in English in which you define words and then have to guess which words they are. Do this with new vocabulary. Of course, you would need friends or language partners to play with. Oh, no, you're going to need friends. Oh. You're thinking, no, this is great. Oh, oh, do I have to have friends? Damn it. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. But, you know, you could do it with your friends or you could do it with your language learning partners. Or if you've got a one-to-one -one teacher, you could suggest doing these sorts of activities. Also, acting words out or linking them to physical movements also helps you remember words. So when trying to remember words, add a physical element somehow, even if it means just imagining yourself doing the word or being in a certain physical space when thinking of new words. For example, if the expression is to be wary of doing something, okay, which has come up on this podcast recently, if you're wary of doing something, then... Uh, Put your hand to your chin and pretend you're being nervous about something or reluctant to do it. Mm. Like maybe maybe make a sound like, nah, I'm, I'm a bit wary of doing that. Mm. Like that. Act out the words. Bring it to life. Perhaps imagine yourself at the end of a dark street and you say, oh, I'm a bit wary of going down that street on my own. I think I'll take the main road. Things like that. Listening to other people read listening to other people read to you also helps a lot. So the conclusion here is just obviously keep listening to Luke's English podcast, of course. Um, I'm sure this works when someone is just speaking to you as well, especially if you're involved and you're caught up in what they're saying. That's what I've always thought, and I'm sure scientific research would suggest that it's true. I mean, I'm just sure that that's true that listening to a podcast, for example, could also help. My hypothesis... <laughs> Shall I say that again? My hypothesis is that people will remember more L2 words, that's second language words, when they are presented in a meaningful context. It's pretty obvious, really. I mean, I don't think uh, that's a new idea. I think... I think that's everyone knows that's true, don't they, in language learning? That when words are presented in a meaningful context and when you're engaged and compelled by, by all of it, then they stick better. It's pretty obvious. Reading aloud might be good for your mental health as well. It seems that the exercise of reading aloud can reveal signs of dementia and maybe stimulates parts of the brain that otherwise don't get stimulated, which is maybe a good way of preventing it. I don't know. I'm not an expert. 
but maybe reading aloud does require quite a lot of brain work. Not only are you reading and decoding the words, but your brain is involved in some motor exercise too, meaning muscle work, movement work. Surely, making your brain multitask like this can only be good as a way of keeping it active and keeping it fit. Brain training, basically. I mean, to an extent, I don't know what I'm talking about there. I'm not a neuroscientist or anything. I'm just a lay person, not an expert. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. So reading aloud is a good way to keep your brain young, let's say. So reading aloud also makes you feel quite good, especially if you do it with others. With the reading aloud also makes you feel quite good, especially if you do it with others. It could be a good exercise with other learners of English or with your English teacher or maybe with episodes of LEP Premium, which is available now on Acast Plus. Little plug there for my own my own thing. Of course, don't only read aloud but include it as part of your regular English practice. It's especially enjoyable if you're reading out some interesting texts and try to mix it up, some non-fiction stuff and also some stories and so on. When you read aloud, consider where you need to chunk the text, pause, emphasise and use intonation. Reading texts out loud is something I often do with my students in class. I ask my students to work out where the pauses should be, which words to emphasise and where the voice goes up or down. This exercise reveals things about the text, including the structure and the real meanings and intentions of the writer. And it also just allows you to work on your pronunciation too. So I said at the beginning of this text, at the beginning of this episode, that you should try reading the text out uh, before I did. Probably a lot of you didn't do it, but you could go back and read it and read it out loud. And another thing you could do is you could go back to the bit where I read the text out and you can repeat after me, or at least you can read out the paragraph, stop, listen to how I read it out and then do it again. And that can be a good way to work on your pronunciation, your clarity, your connected speech, your rhythm, your pausing and all the rest of it. So you could try doing that. That would probably be a good exercise. Just go back, rewind, repeat after me. Open up the link uh, to find the article on the BBC website and read from it. Try reading aloud from time to time. Also try reading out loud with me at the same time as me sometimes if there is a transcript with the episode. I'd also add, even if there isn't, it's, it's also a good exercise just to try and repeat after me. I've said that before. Sometimes it's good, you know, it's good to mix it up. Sometimes it's good to put the text to one side and only focus on the oral version of the language. Repeat what you're hearing. Don't necessarily repeat what you're reading. Uh, it might help you notice more aspects of the language in the text if you're reading as well. It might help you remember it more and help you practice your pronunciation as well as your reading. It might also just make you feel good. So there you go. What do you think? Leave your comments below. What have you been thinking while listening to this? I hope that there have been thoughts arising in your mind while listening to this. What are they? Share them. Has it given you any ideas about learning English? Do you have anything to add? What are you going to read out loud? Put your thoughts into English in the comments section. And I will give a, 
a, a shameless uh, plug for my premium podcast here because I'm also publishing a three-part, three, count them, three, three parts. I'm publishing a three-part premium series all about the language in this episode. All those bold words, I'm going to go through those. Those are going to be our target words. Do you remember any of them? What, are, what were the... What, I'm not going to go back to the beginning of the article now. But there were words in bold, weren't there? Weren't there? There were words in bold, weren't there? I'm going to do a premium series all about those words. It'll be available soon, or maybe it's already available now. So I'm going to record them right away. So I've just done this, but my next... The next things I'm going to do are to record those three premium episodes, which I have planned already. So they are the next things I'm going to record. And in those premium episodes, I'll go through the vocabulary which I highlighted in the text. I'll go through that again and I'll expand things with more detailed explanations and examples. And then I'll test your memory of those words and phrases with some prompts and some sentences with missing words to... Um, you know, allow the generation effect to do its thing. And I'll give you a chance to practice pronouncing all the words in sentences to help you work on the production effect as well. And there'll be an episode, I think part three, where we practice reading aloud some of the paragraphs from the text with advice from me about where to pause, which words to emphasise and so on, with sentences to repeat after me. Okay, so to get those episodes, you can sign up to LEP Premium on Acast Plus and you can add the premium episodes to your podcasting app and also access PDFs and video versions that way. Just get started by going to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium or just click the link in the description. And that's for the episode series, the premium series focusing on the language in this episode. Okay, so that's it for this episode, but I'll be back soon with more things for you to listen to, including more stories, which I would like to read to you, and conversations with guests, and all the other types of episode I like to present to you on my show. I've got this Sherlock Holmes book here in front of me. I've been searching and searching for the best Sherlock Holmes stories that I could read and share with you, because that's fun. They're a bit old-fashioned, but um, they're really great. So there might be a bit of Sherlock Holmes coming up on the podcast uh, soon, as well as other things, other stories I'd like to read to you. OK, thank you so much for listening. OK, have a lovely day, morning, afternoon, evening or night. Uh, but for now, good. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hold up. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.